Is it possible that ghosts, ghouls, goblins, elves, leprechauns, and the assorted list of goodies and baddies in the paranormal world are actually friends with each other? Interesting story. And then we'll take a look at the final story of season 20. When a man hosts a little girl's birthday party at his house, he's just expecting a bunch of kids running around screaming at the top of their lungs. Little did he know he would be the one doing the screaming. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I hope you guys are having an absolutely fantastic day. We got a ton of stuff to cover today. So first off... Walking into Dead Rabbit Command right now, everyone turn to the front entrance and give a salute and a round of applause at the same time for our newest Patreon supporter, Matthias Gamara. Woo-hoo, yeah, we I was actually trying to do the salute and the applause, and I hit myself in the nose. Don't do that. Please, please don't sue me if everyone else hit themselves in the nose as well. You're like, Jason, no, we didn't do that. I thought it was just a joke. Matthias, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. Thank you so much for supporting the show via the Patreon. You guys can't support the show via the Patreon if you guys can't support the show financially. We also have a merch store as well. But if you can't afford any of that stuff, or maybe you can't afford it and just don't want to, that's totally fine. That really, really is. Just help spread the word about Dead Rabbit Radio. That helps out so much. You have no idea how telling your friends and your family, whether they're people online or people you know in real life, or maybe both. Maybe you have a gaming crew, and you're also friends in real life. The point is, is that, get the word out, that always helps so much. That's something you can do to help the show grow. Matthias, you're going to stand there on standby. Go ahead and help yourself to the fridge. I got some, I don't, there's actually nothing in there. I got a bunch of Diet Pepsi, but uh, I don't know, maybe like Diet Pepsi. There's some Sprite Zero in there as well. This is the end of season 20. This is the end of season 20, and I feel like this season went on for a really long time. I'm pretty sure that it did. This was a season I got COVID, so that that put us back a week and all that stuff. But um, pretty eventful. <laughs> it's the season I got COVID, so pretty eventful as far as that goes. But it's been a really good season. I think this has been a really good season. And I'll tell you guys this a little behind-the-scenes tip. This is the first season in probably probably 20 seasons where I haven't ended the season going, I don't know if I want to continue the show anymore. Because it not because of you guys, not because I think the show's running thin on material. It's just I'd be so exhausted by the end of that 20 weeks. <laughs> Luckily, I got COVID and I got a break in the middle of it. No, I don't know. I, I, this was the first season that I've been like, okay, I'm going to take my break and then we're just going to come back to doing more Dead Rabbit Radio. Pretty much every season before this, I was so burned out. By the end of those 50-some-odd episodes, some seasons would go longer. I was like, I don't know if I'm coming back. I always came back because I love the show and I love you guys. But this is the first season where I haven't even had that thought. So that's good. (laughs) I'm sure that that is good for the future of the show. I haven't been doing my YouTube shorts, my true crime TikToks, nothing like that. I was like, okay, I, I am done doing these. I need a break from these. It's a ton of extra work. But we are at the end of season 20, so we will be back April 3rd. April 2nd, April 3rd, around there. That is when we'll be back season 21 of Dead Rabbit Radio. It's a bit of a longer break than I normally take by only two days because 
One last pitch for the Oregon Ghost Conference in Seaside, Oregon. March 24th at 6 p.m. I will be a presenter, a what's the, a, a speaker. You're like, Chase, you, <laughs> you're like, I'm going to go just to watch you mispronounce words in real life. What was that first word? What was the presenter? I'm going to be a speaker at the Oregon Ghost Conference. I'm giving a... <laughs> this is, oh, it's going to go great, right? I can't even say what I'm going to do. Imagine me. It's 50 minutes long. It's longer than an average episode. My presentation is on why are there no fat ghosts? And I know we covered that on an episode a while back, but I've been doing even more research, finding all sorts of crazy ghost stories that I've never talked about before on the show that I'm going to present live. I will talk about some of them in the future, but all sorts of stories about why ghosts appear physically one way versus the other. And what does that mean for us as we inch closer and closer to death? You're like, ah! I want to leave a ghost that is cool looking. You're all getting scarred up by a bear. You actually just have like really bad stomach ulcers. Doctor's like, okay, these are going to kill you in like 1400 years. You're actually not going to die stomach ulcers. You run out in the forest, you wrestle a bear just so you can have some cool scars in the afterlife. We're going to talk about that. So it'd be really cool if you guys could show up. If you guys don't show up, if you guys can't show up, that's fine too. I'll probably cover some of those little ghost stories in future episodes of Dead Rabbit Radio, but... For those of you who do show up, it's going to be like 99% all new material. So I think it'd be really cool. And then I'm going to hang out at the Ghost Conference and uh, to be attending. Jeez, uh, I don't know how. I, I almost want to sit in the audience and, and listen to myself just stumble on stage. Also, I know this is a lot of intro stuff, but last episode of season 20, hopefully you guys are being patient with me. One of the speakers at the Oregon Ghost Conference is going to be Dr. Kelly Schutz. She recently interviewed me for her Paranormal Encounters podcast series. And I'll put links to that in the show notes. There's an episode where she interviewed me. I talked about a lot of my personal ghost stories, and that was very fun. Also, if you're looking for another podcast to listen to in the next two and a half weeks, Paranormal Encounters podcast series has a ton of interviews with people in the field of paranormal research. And also... Um, if you're looking for a podcast to listen to, try the Asylum Case Studies. That's a podcast I've been on twice with fan of the show, Tressa Slater. She does the podcast, The Asylum Case Files. Is it Case Files or Case Studies? I'll put the link in the show notes, but pretty sure it's Case Files. Anyways, <laughs> I could be wrong. Great podcast all around. She reviews Asylum movies. The Asylum movies. Not movies. People trapped in the Asylums. That'd be so depressing. You're like, here's a documentary from 1942. One of the worst Asylums in America. We're going to watch this footage of horribly depressed people. No. Uh, movies like Mega Piranha and Transmorphers. They review those movies. The Avengers, Grimm. All that stuff. I'm going to see if she wants me back on the show. I'm going to see if she wants to back on the show because I'm itching to talk about Shark Side of the Moon. The Asylum's uh, recent Asylum film. But anyway, so those are podcasts if you're looking for something to listen to in the meantime. I'll put my episodes in the show notes and then you can listen to that. Maybe find a brand new podcast. Maybe find fun. But you got you to come back to this one. You just can't go, oh, I love these podcasts way better. Thanks, Jason. Unsubscribe. Matthias, I think that's everything we have to talk about. I don't think there's anything else big coming up. So, Matthias, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the Jason Jalopy. We're going to leave behind Dead Rabbit Command. Drive us all the way out to Ireland.
And don't forget to hit that time travel button because we're going back to the year 1914. We're actually going to Scotland. Sorry, I read that wrong. You're like, oh man, it's St. Patrick's Day. It would be so cool to go to Ireland. She don't want to go to Ireland. We're going to Scotland. So make a left. Now we're in Scotland and we're in the year 1914. Specifically, we're in Inverary, Scotland. And it's a sunny afternoon. And we're sitting there in the car. We see a little boy riding his tricycle on the outskirts of Ivory. Now, it doesn't say how old this kid is. I'm assuming assume he's pretty young if he can't ride a bike. If he's riding a tricycle, I would assume six or under. He doesn't specifically say, he doesn't give his name either. We're going to go ahead and call him Jake. But um, he's on trike all by himself in the middle of Scotland. And who who would have guessed something bad's going to happen to this tyke? This little kid. So Jake is riding this tricycle. And all of a sudden he bails, which again would be quite hard. Generally, the tricycle is designed so it can't tip over. But he does. He's on this. Again, he's six. He's outside. He's on the outskirts of town on this tricycle by himself. He has a hard tumble, and it's so hard, he breaks his arm. Maybe tricycle means something different in Scotland, because I can't imagine. <laughs> I guess it means three wheels. Maybe the three wheels are in the wrong order. I can't imagine what sort of bicycle accident you would have that you could break your arm. I remember once when I was a little kid, I was on a tricycle, and I w- we were moving into a new house. And listen, and I probably was, probably was younger than six. So I was probably like four or five. I was a jerk. And I would just do stuff to make people mad all the time. I thought it was hilarious. I still do. I I, I repress it more nowadays. But we were moving. And I decided, I knew what I was doing. I was not innocent in this. I got on my tricycle, which is like the widest of all child vehicles. I'm on a tricycle, and I begin <laughs> tricycling up and down the hallway of this new house. I'm like, oh, just, that's fine. That's like childhood innocence. That's a very sweet image. Well, remember, we're moving in, and I'm fully aware that people are trying to go back and forth down this hallway. And I was blocking them. And I was doing it on purpose, because I'm a jerk. Even at four or five, I was like, oh, you know what would be super funny? If I ride this tricycle super slow down this long hallway. (laughs) Parents are trying to move stuff in. Well, I don't know, maybe like three hours later, I'm still doing this. My mom was carrying a heavy box down the hallway. And she said, she goes, Jason, you were on the tricycle going slow. And in a mocking tone was going, la-do-da, la-do-da-da-da. Like she goes, you were doing it to aggravate us. You 100%. We're going as slow as possible. And she was carrying this super heavy box. And my mom wanted me to move. That's all she wanted. They're telling me, hurry up, go down the hallway, go down the hallway quicker. She's carrying a freezer. Go down the hallway, go down the hallway. La di da di da 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 on my tricycle. And my mom got so frustrated. She put her foot on the back of the tricycle. You know, you have those like stairs on the back of the tricycle, so an even smaller kid can ride on the back for whatever reason. She put her foot on the back of the tricycle and she goes, Jason, move! And she went to push me forward with her foot. So I would go, wee! Down the hallway. That would encourage me to do it more. Now that I'm getting an assist. 
She put her foot on the back of the tricycle. She's carrying this heavy box. They'd been doing this all day long. She finally had enough. She put her foot on the back of the tricycle. And she goes, Jason, move. And she pushed it with her foot to propel me forward. But instead, it flipped the tricycle backwards. And I landed on my head in the hallway. And I'm like, just now I'm screaming at the top of my lungs. The indignation of it all. Here I was. Just making people physically discomfortable. That's all I was doing. All I was doing was holding up the process of moving into a new home. And how dare... I, and also, you know, I hit my... I did hit my head. I was a little kind of hit my head. But, oh man, I made such a ruckus. And then all of a sudden, every everyone had to stop moving stuff and pick me up. And little baby Jason had to be taken care of. So I got my way. <laughs> I was still, I was still irritating people, but now I was crying and probably got like a bowl of spaghettios with the little hot dogs in them as a reward, or to shut me up, or both. But the reason why I tell that story is because I, I myself am a veteran of tricycle accidents. My mom kicked me off of one, but I, it would be hard to break your arm. I think it would be pretty hard to find. Now, I'm not doubting this dude's. This isn't the weirdest part of the story. I'm not like, whoa, wasn't that crazy? How do you break your arm on a tricycle? Our next story. And I'm not doubting his story. I'm just trying to figure out physically. Maybe it was like those old, timey tricycles that were taller. That used to see a, like the dude with the mustache riding. Maybe it was one of those. Maybe the kid was like 10 or 12 riding a giant tricycle. I don't know. But anyways, I probably could have Googled how big a tricycle was in 1914 and saved us all 10 minutes. But instead, he falls off a tricycle and breaks his arm. And he goes, listen, I was such a little kid. I couldn't tell you for a fact that I broke my arm. But looking back on it as an adult, I swear that's what happened. I actually broke my arm when I fell off his bicycle. And he falls on the ground and he's crying. Because he's in a lot of pain. And Jake realizes, oh, wait a second. Nobody knows <laughs> Nobody knows that I'm out here. I'm on the outskirts of town. I'm not even like in the middle of the city where like a concerned adult could look out a window and be like, ah, oh, begotten. There's a little, little kid out there. No. He was on the outskirts of town. And he's just like a path that he was on. And he's crying and he's crying. And no one's coming. And he's crying and crying. No one coming. And eventually he's like, uh-oh. Like, I don't know how I'm going to get home. I don't know how I'm going to get home. I'm in a lot of pain. Pretty sure my arm's broken. I don't know if my tricycle is ready to go. I don't know how much damage the tricycle got. Even if it didn't have a bent wheel or a busted steering bar, you wouldn't want to get on it with a broken arm. You just This thing just betrayed you. You'd be afraid. So anyways, he's like, oh no, and he's crying. He's like, I'm kind of in a pickle here. I don't know how this is going to resolve itself. And right when he was thinking that, out of the bushes jumped a little man. This man, Jake said, was about two and a half feet tall. And he just appeared out of nowhere. Like, he, Jake had been crying for a couple minutes, and all of a sudden this little dude shows up. And he's like, hey, uh, can I help you with something? And then Jake's like, oh, dude, my arm, I fell off my tricycle. Don't, don't. I don't, I can't explain how that happened. But my arm hurts. I hurt my arm. And he said this little man walked up to him and began to tend his injury, tend to his injury. He doesn't go into a lot of detail, but he says he begins to tend to my injury and almost immediately, all pain went away. 
Like, I don't know what he did, but almost immediately the pain went away and I felt that what had ever been done. That's why he says, as an adult, I don't know for sure that I broke my arm. I look back on it and swear that must have been what happened, but it was healed in like a minute. I'm sitting out here, this two and a half foot tall guy comes out of the bushes and heals me instantly, or almost instantly. Jake goes, who, who are you, good sir? And this little man goes, I'm a gnome. And Jake looks at this gnome. You say you're a gnome, but you actually look a lot like a leprechaun. And the gnome goes, well, I will assure you that I am a gnome. I am not a leprechaun. And around this time, off in the distance, you hear Jake's parents go, Jake, Jakey boy, where are you? Oh, we miss you so much. Oh, that boy's probably out. <laughs> boy's probably up breaking arms like he always does on Wednesdays. I'll tell that kid he needs to stop breaking stuff. He hears his parents off in the distance coming towards him. And at that point, the little man jumped back into the bush. And when the parents came up, they see Jake just sitting there on the ground next to his tricycle. And the parents are like, oh my God, what happened to you? And he goes, you will not believe what happened. But I'm going to tell you everything. Fell off a tricycle. <laughs> Dad's like, okay, wait, stop, stop. What was that first phrase? He goes, listen, I fell off a tricycle. It did hurt my arm really, really badly. And then a little man showed up, fixed it. And he wasn't a leprechaun. He was a gnome. Did you know that? He wasn't a leprechaun. And Dad's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you possibly talking about? That's it. No more outskirts of the city for you, young man. Huh? He said his parents didn't believe him that any of this happened. Now, that story, while simple, raises a super interesting question. We'll get to that in one second. First off, I want to give a shout out. This was, I found this on thinkaboutitdocs.com. They got it from a book called Hidden Neighbors by a guy named W.M. Michael Mott. W.M. is a big W and a little M. I don't know if that's a signifier for anything like sir or madam. I don't know, but it's weird. Again, not the weirdest part of the story. I was like, man, look at this guy's signature. Is that paranormal? W.M. Michael Mott, he writes a lot of books about fae folk and fairy lore, which longtime listeners of the show know I'm not a huge fan of either of those things. But gnomes and leprechauns, what a perfect time to talk about it as we're leading up to Leprechaun Day, also known as St. Patrick's Day. This story, when I read it, I thought this is super interesting because... Let's dissect it here. This guy was magical. This little gnome was magical, was able to heal the wound of this boy. And when the boy said, you look like a leprechaun, they didn't say, like, again, not a lot of details. This did take place in 1914. The guy probably didn't tell the story to the author or to anyone until he was, like, in his 70s, right? <laughs> because otherwise people would be like, hey, look at it, it's the leprechaun guy. <laughs> He'd be mocked around town as the man who was saved by a leprechaun. He's like, exactly a gnome. They're not saying, like, what did, was he dressed like a leprechaun? Did he have on, like, black shoes and the striped underwear, the stockings, whatever that is, and then the black shorts and the little green vest? We don't know. A little hat. <laughs> little hat, little black hat as well. We don't know. Or was he just thinking he looked like a leprechaun because he was a tiny guy? I imagine that 
Well, because I would imagine that there would probably have to be some green involved. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe a little kid would just see a tiny guy and go, hey, look, it's Leprechaun. But here's my thing. So he he asked the gnome, what are you? The gnome says, I'm a gnome. And the boy says, you look like a leprechaun. And the gnome corrected him patiently. That's the term that's used in the story. Corrected him patiently. He's like, no, I'm not. No, I'm a gnome. And the reason why that's interesting is it makes me think, do these beans know each other? Not just leprechauns and gnomes. Like you, it, well, it, it, we can extrapolate this so far. And yes, we will get to the ghost cake this episode. But I'm wondering, it's, let's take Western Europe, for example. We have fairies, we have gnomes, we have leprechauns. Do they know of each other? Generally, the term fae folk is in this a big encompassing term. But a gnome would have knowledge of a leprechaun. The gnome would be like, wait, what What are you talking about? What's a leprechaun? <laughs> what? What? Tell me about your human words. Who is this? Who is this very handsome being you speak of? I'm sure he's quite dashing. If you say I look like him. Fairies and gnomes and leprechauns. You go, Jason, yeah, of course they know each other. But I think some of that's from our media, right? We watch cartoons and there's like the leprechaun sitting on the toadstool and David the gnome walks up and he goes, get off, that's my house, that's my house, get off of that. Leprechaun's like, nope, squatter's rights. That was a two-parter on Nickelodeon. But would they? And then you extrapolate it out from there because they weren't the only paranormal beings in Western Europe. And I'm just picking that as an example. Would a gnome talk to a ghost would they be on good terms like how far does the world of the paranormal go is it possible that a leprechaun if you caught a leprechaun if you're lucky enough to catch a leprechaun this march 17th could you take him back to your house and tie him up to a little chair and then ask him where's bigfoot he's like what don't you want my gold i'll give you all the gold bro i don't know what you're talking about who's bigfoot big things scare me i'm a leprechaun Where's Bigfoot? Like, do you know Bigfoot? Have you ever heard of the Chupacabra? He's like, what? Would he? Would he be like... And this is where it gets trippy, because would the leprechaun... The leprechaun's going to tell you whatever he thinks you want to know, because he just wants to get home to his family. He wants to get untied. But while he's still trying to gnaw at the ropes when you're not in the room... He could say, well, listen, I know of Bigfoot because I'm obviously a, I obviously live on the planet Earth. Like I'm an interdimensional being, but I, I have knowledge of things. This gnome didn't come out and go, oh my goodness, what is this three-wheeled metal construct right on this road? He's like, oh, that's a tricycle. He would know what that was. He wouldn't, every time a gnome popped out, he wouldn't be like, what year is it? What year is it? And you're like, uh... 2023 and it's like tell me everything that's happened since between now and 1914 you're like ah, ma i i barely remember most of the details of my life let alone world history you might want to skip the 30s and 40s though i think we'll gloss over that part and gnome's like what yeah it's kind of bad <laughs> we also probably skip over the vietnam conflict he's like ah so they would have modern knowledge i don't think we've ever come across the story where Obviously, we assume aliens know everything. Aliens, because they're above us, not just physically, but just technologically-wise. Just technology-wise. We don't ever have to keep them abreast of the news. But yeah, like a fairy 
or a gnome or a leprechaun, would they know about the... Uh, first off, would they know about the Gulf Wars? Would they be like, oh, Saddam Hussein, man, we had to remove them from power. They're total war hawks. They're like, oh, you don't know, we're behind all the wars. We're the true Illuminati. We're like, ah. But they would probably know current events. But would they know... And they may know of Bigfoot. You might be able... And that's the thing. You could have asked the gnome, are you a leprechaun? And it's funny because the gnome could have been like, no, leprechauns aren't real, dude. Leprechauns aren't real. I'm a gnome. And I know in your books, you talk about leprechauns and stealing their gold and stuff like that. He actually might have been a leprechaun now that I think about it. He didn't want to get jacked for all of his gold. He's like, ah, I'm just a gnome, bro. Let me go. You wonder, like, he might go, I know of leprechauns. I know of the stories of Earth, right? I know of leprechauns. I know of Bigfoot. I go squatching from time to time myself, but he doesn't exist. Or as far as I know, like, I've never seen Bigfoot. I, there's no proof that I know of Bigfoot. I am a gnome. I am a mystical creature who can move beyond the veil of what you call reality. But I don't know if Bigfoot exists. I Chupacabra, what? I don't know if any of this stuff is real, but I've heard these terms before and I know what you guys are into. Or would they know Bigfoot? Did, does a gnome know why he looks like a leprechaun and he's tired of being compared to leprechauns? He corrected him patiently because the boy doesn't know any better, but he's like, I'm not a leprechaun. Every time I jump, every time I jump out of a bush to rub a boy's arm. Someone thinks I'm a leprechaun. I'm not a leprechaun. But he knows, like, he personally knows leprechauns. He knows they're really, really skeevy dudes. He's like, oh, come on. Quit comparing me to them. And then would they know Bigfoot? Would they know ghosts? Like, do ghosts know Bigfoot? We know that there's a connection. I'll put the episodes in the show notes. It's really weird. There is a connection between Bigfoot and UFOs. Really weird connection between Bigfoot and UFOs. A lot of encounters with that, but... Like, is a Bigfoot aware of ghosts? Do ghosts know of Bigfoot? Do ghosts know leprechauns? It's interesting. Like, where is this? Because I think on the in the and I will wrapping it up here. Not the episode, although we should. We're already at like thirty some one minutes, but we got a lot to talk about. We're doing that ghost cake story finally. You wonder when we're paranormal researchers, we have like UFO researchers cryptid researchers, ghost researchers, fey folk researchers, things like that. And there is starting to become more of a crossover between them all, which is good for the research community, but is there also a crossover in that world as well? Like, do ghosts know leprechauns? Do demons know of Bigfoot? Super interesting question, and it comes from a very simple story, but it it does make you wonder, like, how much of this stuff is interconnected. Ghosts is kind of a hard one because a lot of ghosts are just, like, a, a psychic imprint. They don't know anything. It's just a, a something repeating over and over again, and we're catching a glimpse of the young widow standing at her window waiting for her lover to come home from the Civil War. Like, that's not one. You can't show up and be like, would you like some cookies? And she turns around. She's like, oh, I love cookies. And you guys are friends. No more than you can walk up to a Madonna cassette from 1988 and start listening to Cherish and go, I love you too, Madonna. And Madonna shows up at your door. Because it's just a recording of Madonna's voice. 
but there are ghosts that you can communicate with. And would those ghosts that do have intelligence, would that, I, that's, I think that's going to be the theme. If I get invited back to the Oregon Ghost Conference, I think that might be my theme. Do ghosts know Bigfoot? I mean, again, sometimes you just need to have a catchy title. That's an interesting question. This gnome knew what a leprechaun was. He under, He didn't go, what's a leprechaun? The question is, does he personally know leprechauns? Or does he know of the story of leprechauns that humans have made up? It's a very, very interesting question. And just another reminder that the world of the paranormal is weird. <laughs> Jason, that's the, that's the last thing that anyone needs a reminder of. It's called paranormal for a reason. Matthias, let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the world. A famous carpenter copter for our last flight during season 20. We're leaving behind Scotland. We're waving goodbye to this gnome. We freed the leprechaun from our basement. And we're headed out to a house in the suburbs. The year is 2018. And we're at this dude's house. He didn't give his name. We're going to go ahead and call him Sean. And his niece, we'll call her Rose. Just turned six years old. And Sean's brother goes, hey, dude, listen, our apartment is super small. And Rose wants to have a big birthday party. She's apparently really popular at school. So can we have her birthday party at your place? And Sean goes, yeah, sure, dude, that sounds great. It's exactly what I wanted to do this week and clean up after a bunch of little kids. So... 15 to 20 kids show up at this place. I'm sure he expected like three, right? You'd have to be pretty popular to pull 15 to 20 kids to your sixth, not sixth grade birthday party, six-year-old birthday party. You're like, of course, Jason. No one has a sixth grade birthday party. You're like, come on, everyone. I've graduated. I guess that's just called a graduation party anyways. I'm almost done. I'm almost done with the season. Keep it together. Six-year-old birthday party. She's turning six. And 15 to 20 kids shows up to Sean's house, plus parents. It must have just been a madhouse. It must have just been absolutely insane. Maybe Sean had a good time. All the friends are there. All the presents. All the presents stacked up in the corner. And cake! Of course, delicious cake for a six-year-old girl that's sitting in the kitchen every so often. Sean's looking in going, mm -mm -mm. he's like the big bad wolf in a Red Riding Hood novel, but he just wants to eat cake. Mm -mm -mm. I can't wait to give me some of that delicious cake. Oh, guys, eyes are bulging out of his head. Uh, the big birthday party is going on. Huge birthday party. I imagine it was bigger than he thought. And it goes on for a couple hours. That's crazy. That's a long party for kids, right? You'd get bored. You're all taking, <laughs> taking a nap in the middle of the party. Take a 30-minute nap. Wake back up. Be energized again. Clown shows up. Eventually, though, party comes to an end. People are cleaning everything up. Rose had a great time. That's what matters, right? She, you only turned six once. She had a great time. Sean feels really good that he was able to help out his brother, help out his family. Everyone's cleaning up, and it's time for everyone to go. So bye, bye, everyone. See you guys later. Then Rose and her parents leave. They walk out, and Sean is left alone with the cake now when i was looking over this post apparently sean i don't know where this story takes place 
Sean, because someone goes, why did they leave the cake behind? People were really intrigued about this cake, and Sean goes, well, in my culture, it's normal. This should be normal for every culture. This actually sounds pretty dope. He goes, in my culture, it's normal that when you bring food over, let, let's say that you're going to host a party at your house and you're having all these people come over and they bring over food. When they leave, they leave the food with you as basically a thanks for letting me use your place. That's, that's super reasonable, right? I mean, assuming you like the food. If it's like a bunch of veggie platters, you can take it with you. I don't want that stuff. But cake, who doesn't like cake? Who doesn't like cake? And so there's some cake left. I don't know how big this cake was. Two, 15 to 20 kids plus parents. Apparently there's some cake left. And not a small amount. And the whole time Sean had been eyeballing that cake. He's all kicking kids off. They're all riding tricycles. He's kicking them out the door. See you guys later. See you guys later. Cake's all mine. He has that cake in the kitchen and he's thinking about it. Everyone leaves. And about five minutes pass. All of a sudden. Ding dong. And door bell rings. Sean's like, huh, what? Someone must have forgot a present. Someone must have forgot a purse. I don't know. So he opens the door and standing there on his front porch is Rose, his six-year-old niece. And he kind of looks side to side and doesn't see her parents anywhere. And he goes, Rose, what are you doing here? Where are your parents at? And Rose goes, uh, they forgot me. They forgot about me. You just drove away. <laughs> They're like, you're six now. You can fend for yourself. Test one. Find your way home. She goes, my parents forgot about me. They actually drove off and left me here. And Sean goes, well, here, let me call your parents and I'll, I'll have them come pick you up. And Rose said, I'm, I'm actually really hungry. Can I come inside and eat some cake? Can I come inside and get some of that delicious cake that's left behind? And Sean's like, yeah, sure. You can come in and get some kid <laughs> little teardrop. He turns away to hide his teardrop. He's like, oh, less cake for me. He goes, Rose, yeah, sure. Come on in, have some cake. I'm gonna call your brother. I'm a little disappointed in him that he forgot about you, <laughs> forgot you existed. And on all of all days, your birthday, this is definitely gonna be some therapy in the future. Come on in, get some cake. And he cut her a slice of cake and put it on a plate, set it down, and then he went to call her brother. And goes, hey, dude, um, why in the world is Rose still at my house? Like, it's not that I don't like her. <laughs> I have spent the last couple hours with her screaming at the top of her lungs. But uh, she should be with you. You drove off. You drove off and you left your daughter here. Um, you going to come pick her up or what? <laughs> She's eating my cake. Hurry up. Get back before she eats it all. And his brother goes, what are you talking about, dude? Rose is with Rose is with me right now. She's sitting right next to me. And at that point, Sean said, like his heart physically skipped a beat. Like there was no like, dude, quit messing with me, bro. Quit messing with me. You always pull these pranks. You always pull these pranks, dude. It was he immediately realized something was wrong. There was no debate. He realized his brother was right. That Rose was not in the kitchen eating cake. She was with her parents. So Sean walked into the kitchen, and when he gets into the kitchen, no one's there. The kitchen is completely empty. Sean is the only person in the entire house. All that's in there now is him. Got 
The kitchen's completely empty, but sitting on the kitchen table is a plate with a slice of cake sitting on it, and it's been half-eaten. Now, he said, I looked a little bit further on my notes, he does say what culture he's from. It's Hmong. It's Hmong culture. Again, I don't know if this where the story takes place, if it takes place in America or, or another region of the world, but he is Hmong. So he said it's typical in his culture that they do leave the food behind, which, again, is a great tradition. We should, we should all share that. He goes, I never told this story outside of my immediate family. Never told anyone about it. He's posting about it now, like five years later. He goes, I never told the story outside of my family. And neither myself nor anyone else in my immediate family has ever had any paranormal activity. Ever. Like, this was the very first time we have anything that was even close to this. He goes, but in the Hmong community, we do believe in shamans. Or you're parts of the Hmong community. We talked about that in an earlier episode. We did an episode about Hmong shamans, but he goes, we did contact a shaman and he came out and he cleansed the house after this encounter. I'll put the episode about the Hmong shamans in the show notes. It's a really interesting one. It's actually one of my favorite episodes. It's one of the episodes we've done a classics on, and I am going to start doing the classics again, not this season break, but the next one. But it was the story about uh, the the movie A Nightmare on Elm Street is based on a true story. As clickbaity and as insane as that title sounds, the film A Nightmare on Elm Street is, for a fact, based on a true story. Wes Craven was reading a series of articles in the LA Times about Hmong refugees leaving Laos and Cambodia, all that, during the the purge during the huge uh, genocides going on over there in the wake and during the Vietnam war. And um, they were spread across the country and their shamans were just like randomly be placed in different cities because the government, U S government's like, yeah, you can come over here, but you, we're going to put you here. We're going to put you here. And it really disrupted the spiritual needs of that community. And a dream demon showed up. It sounds so insane. It sounds so insane, but it actually is based on a true story. I'll put that episode in the show notes. It has nothing to do, has nothing to do with this story. I just love that episode. It's creepy. And the shot, it's so creepy. I'll put that in the show notes. But anyways, let's get to this story, which also, it's not necessarily creepy. I think it's a good way to end season 20 for two reasons. One, it's one of those stories that I talk about where I love the mundane paranormal stories because this something like this could happen to anyone. You go, Jason, I don't have a six-year-old niece. Well, okay, maybe the, same, maybe the same details won't happen. But the visitation, it doesn't have to be like a, a super evil demonic spirit throwing books at you. It could be something that simple. What I find interesting is a little girl asks for permission to come in, which is what we see in like the stories of vampires and to a, another extent demons, like having to be invited into your body. But the little girl asks to come in. And you wonder, like, was that a rule she had to follow or was she simply being polite? Did she really just want a slice of cake? Did she have more nefarious motives in mind? I don't know. I honestly think she just wanted to eat some cake. We've covered stories about kids eating candy. There is a Brit. I don't remember exactly what state it took place in, Tennessee or Mississippi or something like that. 
where if you leave a candy bar on a bridge, ghost children will crawl out from underneath it and take a bite. And then you have half of a whatchamacallit bar sitting out there. Now, of course, right? Skeptical, maybe it was a raccoon, maybe it was me. Maybe I got hungry on that ghost hunt. But I'll put that episode in the show notes. We do have stories of ghosts eating things. And that might be a raccoon. That's probably... I'm like, look at this. It's evidence. You're like, Jason. But maybe... Maybe this ghost just wanted a bite of some cake. Maybe it was a little little hungry for it. It's also possible that this ghost assumed the shape of Rose. Or this spirit, whatever it was. I keep saying ghost because that's kind of how i feel but it could be obviously a spirit it could be a darker entity like a demon or something like that but it might have assumed the form of rose but it's also possible it was at the party as well as a different child like it was invited in by the joy of 15 20 children just having a blast and it invoked this spirit and it was also there having fun. In the corner, you're all playing in the tail of the donkey. And there's this dripping, there's this dripping wet girl facing the corner, just standing there all twitching. They're like, oh, aren't you going to give her a try? And they're like, what? They turn, there's no one there. It's just a puddle of water. You're like, ah, did someone put something in this cake? It's a spooky Samara ghost. It could have been a ghost. It could have been a spirit that was brought there by the party. And then when all the kids left, it left as well. But then it goes, you know what? I'm going to shapeshift into this little girl. Okay, maybe I'm giving... But you, and maybe it left when all the kids left, but then thought, you know what? I want a little more cake. So she changed her appearance back to someone who could gain access to the house. Do I have any proof for that theory? Do I have any proof for that theory? No. I just think it's fun. I just like the idea that there was a ghost attending the whole party, and they just wanted a little more cake. But, you know, it could have not been that. It could have just been... Just a regular old spirit, not a spirit that's breaking into parties. It's a party crashing ghost. But it's a fascinating story because it's so mundane. I mean, it would terrify you, right? Like, that probably is the right course of action to bless the house because at the end of the day, he invited it in. That's the tricky part. I mean, there are some people that any ghostly activity, they're going to call their spiritual advisor to have it taken care of. And that's fine. That's, you know, the decision that they're making I don't think all ghosts need to be kicked out of the house, but some I'm sure do, right? Ones that are definitely interfering with your ability to concentrate or keep your health going. We did that episode. This almost feels like a best of wrap up. We did that episode by that woman who was losing her mind and she couldn't get her act together. She couldn't even get her act together enough to sell her house. She was trapped in that house. And it was a very interesting look at like that mental and physical decline of a traumatic haunting he didn't invite it into his house so you would be a ghost just seem to show up they don't necessarily need an invitation the invitation waiting to be invited in does give it a sense of menacing but again, it could have just have been polite. It's possible that Rose herself wouldn't just walk into somebody's house. So she was just mimicking what a little girl, especially a little girl in that community may do, in the Hmong community. So who knows? It could have been a dark spirit. could have just been a run-of-the-mill ghost, which is kind of a funny term because, you know, they're so wacky and so bizarre to begin with. But a run-of-the-mill ghost or spirit just wanted a little bit of cake. But it, it would be a story. It's one of those stories that you would have a hard time telling 
you tell your immediate family because you might be concerned for the real Rose. But outside of this, it's not something you're really going to talk about at work because people may make fun of you for it. I don't think it's cool to make fun of people, even though I do spend every 10th episode highlighting the absurdity. I know yesterday we spent 55 minutes talking about a woman who believes reptilians were invading Santa Fe. So I do make fun of people, okay? But what I'm saying is that I also want people, even though I make fun of some people, I want other people to share their experiences. The second reason why I wanted to cover this for the ending of season 20. Well, so, see, funny, I, I, I say I wanted to use the story. It was an accident this story ended up as the last story of season 20. It really is. I was supposed to do it last week. It got bumped back. I was supposed to do it yesterday. It got bumped back because I was having so fun with that crazy lady in Santa Fe. The story is about a celebration. The story is all about this party with this delicious cake sitting there. And not to be schmaltzy, but this, guys, this podcast, you guys, we're going on five years in June. I mean, that's crazy. That's really cool. Like, after I hit episode 1,000, I go, what's the next milestone? What's next? Like, we hit 1,000 episodes. Like, that that's a huge achievement. And little did I realize that we were just a couple months shy of five years, a daily podcast. It's crazy. And guys, it's all because of you. It's 100% because of you guys. It's really awesome. It, this might be your first episode, and you may feel like, well, this doesn't really apply to me. <laughs> if this is your first episode, you probably shut it off 15, 10 minutes ago. You're like, what? Why is he still talking about this conference? Get to the ghost, bro. But if your first episode, if this episode is your, not your last episode, but if this is your 1,050th episode, maybe this is even the second or third time you've listened to the whole catalog through. And I get a lot of emails from people saying I've listened to your podcast all the way through two or three times. It's fantastic. It's so awesome to be part of your lives. It really is. And I'm glad you're a part of mine. I thought, that, you know, I didn't plan on this being the last story of season 20, but I think it's a fitting. It's a fitting one because this is all about celebration. Even when we talk about the spooky stuff, even when we talk about the dark stuff celebration it's us sharing these stories with each other and i'm just so it's so dope it's so dope to be doing this and i i feel like i'm in a real good mental place like i said before at the start of the episode almost every season before this when i stopped recording the last episode of that season i would go i would say to myself i don't know if i'm ever going to put out another episode i'm going to see how i feel at the end of my break like that was how it was Almost every season. But now that I don't feel that way anymore, now that I'm looking forward, like as this break starts, I'm already thinking about what I'm going to be doing for season 21. That's a big game changer for the show. So it's a time of celebration. It's a time that apparently there's a dog outside my window. Hopefully it's not a paranormal dog ridden by a leprechaun slash gnome. Dog's barking outside my window. That's probably a sign it's time to wrap up season 20. But again... 
I want you guys to celebrate. Oh my goodness, how big is that dog? It's like getting closer. It's like gotten on the ladder. It's coming up to my window. That's like the biggest dog I've ever heard outside my window. This is the way season 20 ends. With a big old dog outside my window. Oh my god, every time I lean forward to the mic. I think this is the this season twenty one will be the start of the gang stalking season. I'll be like, they're after me, they're after me. They keep rubbing their bellies and driving yellow Subarus, and have German shepherds. Anyways, guys, I gotta wrap it up because the dog is driving me nuts. Um, I appreciate you guys, and I hope you guys really do have an awesome break. I hope you guys have lots of fun. I hope to see some of you at the Oregon Ghost Conference, but even if you're not able to make it, even if you're listening to this episode way in the future and the Oregon Ghost Conference is coming on, I hope you guys know that I will be thinking of you on my break, and I can't wait to get back to the microphone for the first time in 20 seasons to share more stories of paranormal conspiracy and true crime with my friends i love you guys stay safe have fun deadrabbitradio at gmail.com is going to be your email address you can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio tiktok is at deadrabbitradio deadrabbitradio is the daily the dog stopped of course deadrabbitradio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast you don't have to listen to it every day Glad you listened to it today. Have a great break. Hope to see you guys soon. And I'll definitely see you all on April 3rd. It's going to sound crazy if the mic didn't pick up that dog. By the way, if, if, the, if you can't hear on the mic that dog barking, then I just have it. I love you guys. Have a good one.